Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. More than just a podcast, it's the place for insights you can apply immediately to your farm operation for increased success. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Ag Explore. With innovative products that improve fertilizer efficiency, protect yield, and reduce stress, Ag Explore helps maximize field potential. Find out how Ag Explore can help you get more out of your crop at agexplore.com. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. You know what? It's another fantastic episode because I got great guests. We've got Kelly Garrett, founding member of Extreme Ag, and we've got Jared Creed of JC Marketing Services. Jared does consultation for farms. He is a business-minded guy that helps your farm in its business. After all, agriculture is a business. We love to talk about the lifestyle, but if you're tuning into Extreme Ag, you obviously look at this as a business and you want to be more successful at it. Well, we cover a lot of agronomics here at Extreme Ag. We do a lot of field trial work and we give you the results, but it's not just about producing a crop. It's also about producing net revenue. Jared Creed helps his farmer clients do that. He works with about 60 or 70 of uh, North America's leading agricultural operations, each of them unique in their own way. But business is one of those things where there's always some commonality. There's always some common weaknesses. There's always some common, commonly overlooked problems. We're going to admit those today in what we're calling identifying your farm's business weaknesses. Let's face it, most farms look at production. Most farms look at being really good at factories, more crops, more bushels, more pounds, more gallons. But sometimes we focus on production and we sometimes overlook where we really need to be in our office running things as a business. Jared Creed, thanks for being here. Absolutely, Damien. And I can't help but chuckle. Your lead was perfect. Most farms are going to focus on producing more and more bushels where for the most part, the fastest way to build an average is to fix the weaknesses. That'd yeah, be true, Kelly. Kind of, it, you want to bring the most out of the most, uh, the poorest producing parts of the farm to boost that average. I want to get to that before I do real quickly. So JC Marketing Services, I explained you work with about 60 or 70 uh, agricultural operations. They're not all in one area. You happen to be in Iowa. Your background real quick before you started JC Marketing Services. Yeah, down and dirty. I grew up in South Central Kansas, went to school and college, Central Kansas, joined the International Guard after college. Found myself in a, a grain marketing specialist role for a co-op. Uh, eventually moved up to Denison, Iowa uh, to work at the Anderson's ethanol plant and help with originations in Nebraska. That's where I met Kelly. Uh, then went on down to Omaha to run North American originations for Gavilon. <clears throat> and my wife and I had our first child back in uh, early 2017. She wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. She was an ethanol merchandiser herself. Uh, at that point, we decided to go ahead and move back around her family and started my own gig and the rest is history. One of your clients is our own Kelly Garrett. Mr. Garrett, what does, in two sentences or three, what does Jared and JC Marketing Services, what service do they provide you? And we'll get to the specific examples uh, about the one we talked about before we hit record, but what in general does JC Marketing Services do for Kelly Garrett? He does all of the grain marketing. I don't even think about it anymore. That's, that's half of it. The other half is any business decision I now make, I run it by him and he takes all the emotion out of it and it becomes a very easy decision. 
So the two things that he does for you is market your product, which there's a lot of it uh, to be to be handled. And then he also assists you in business decisions. Any business decision that you make, uh, presumably above a 10 or $20 one, you say, hey, Jared, what should I be doing? And then he breaks down the numbers and gives you a sounding board, right? Absolutely. That's correct. Jared, we kind of, we recorded one of my own uh, business of agriculture podcasts a few weeks ago, and you said something smart. You said, does your farm need a CFO? And a CFO, depending on the size of the company, sometimes a CFO's role uh, is more refined and sometimes is more broad based. But when you think about being a farm CFO to the clients you serve, define what that is. What does that mean that you are to the 60 or so clients you serve? Think about a Fortune 500 company and the senior leadership from uh, the executive suite. They have a tremendous amount of staff to be a sounding board for the decisions that are being made to move that company in the right direction. Most farms don't have that. That's ultimately what we serve a purpose to be a sounding board from what we see happening in the rest of the ag industry and ultimately operate the farm as a business, not a farm, but a business with the with the amount of financial risk and capital that's being put on the line anymore, the farm is a business. Uh, and being able to measure all the variables that come along with those decisions on the farm, we just want to provide some clarity. We want to provide some reality to bigger decisions that oftentimes, like Kelly mentioned, come with a lot of emotion. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's just math. And again, most farms maybe don't have that support staff that you would see uh, in an organization tree at a larger company uh, from, you know, from the executive suite down. I think it's interesting. Uh, I'm uh, more business minded than, uh, than agronomically minded, I guess. So if I had to take a look at my uh, farm personality, and I wrote in one of my books once about identifying your business personality, and I think we all have that. Um, and, and I said the five P's when I talked about it in my book, I said, all right, there's the product personality, man. They're all about the product. It doesn't matter whether you're a farmer or you uh, make widgets in a factory. Some people just, they're all about the product, right? Then there's process. Those people bore the hell out of me. Uh, the engineer type that wants to shave a penny and a half off of each widget they make. That's a process, right? So you got product, you got process. There's the, the, people. They want to manage people, right? They want to do that. And of course, then there is the the, pro, the profit uh, part of it, which is all about the money part of it. And then, so we got product, process, people, profit, and I'll think of my fifth one here. In ag, as I said, they're almost all product. They're all about produce, 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 and they're not as much about the profit, meaning the dollars and the cents. Is that your assessment, Mr. Jarrett? Yes, and I probably use the phrase too much that we really don't care where the money comes from. We just want to make money, right? You don't have 100, 150 chances to line up and farm. You have a chance of 20, 30, 35 years, depending on the, on the operation. So you have to be pulling the necessary levels levers each year to make sure that whether it's from a crop insurance standpoint, a, a boost to yield, a boost to prices, a combination of them all, that you're still taking a step forward in the right direction every year. Don't care where the money comes from, just need to be profitable to continue to ultimately chase the dream that the farmer's chasing every day to farm. Well, you told me once when I was sitting in your office there in Arian, Iowa, at your farm office, uh, we talked about uh, business personality. And let's face it, you wear a lot of hats when you run your own business. All of us do. Jared does for his business. I do for my business. And you certainly do when you've got a trucking company, cattle business, uh, crop business various other interests. 
when we talk about the strengths and the weaknesses, you told me you were better at the business side than at the agronomic side. You would agree with that, right? Absolutely. I would agree with that. Okay. Well, with that in mind, do you really need it, Jared? Because maybe you need more help on the agronomics because you think you're really strong at the business side of it. Why do you think you need Jared when you, when business is probably more of your strength? Uh, I thought I was strong at the business side. And then when I started working on Jared, I became three times stronger. I obviously was being facetious and asking that question, Jared, but the reality <laughs> is there's somebody that there's somebody that might be really good at, uh, at uh, shooting a basketball, but you know what? They don't have any, there's not one NBA player that's not also then coached. They're already got a strength of being a shooter, but even shooters have shooting coaches is kind of what we're talking about here, right? It takes uh, repetitions. It takes practice. There's things that the average farm, uh, there's plenty of things that the average farm knows that I don't from an agronomic level. But when it comes to government programs, insurance, marketing strategy, so on and so on, there's so much to consume there that if you're not involved in that on a daily basis and being able to bring that back to the farm level, it's there's just not enough time in the day for the average producer to be able to grasp all of those uh, pieces at play and put it to leverage. Most farmers are really focused in on the agronomics and again on the product production, whether it's pounds of beef or gallons of milk, which is actually sold in pounds also, or, or bushels of soybeans, the most of them focus on the production. Um, so in identifying your farmer's business weaknesses is the title of this podcast is what we said we we're going to really focus on. How do you go about identifying them? Could you, all right, I'll help you out here. Uh, we talked about the shooter. Um, if I was a really gifted shooter uh, in basketball and I was brought into the gym and they said, hey, I want you to watch this kid. He's got a lot of raw talent. I could, within about five minutes of watching him, probably say, yep, here's his problem. Uh, his footwork is bad. He, come, he comes off. His shoulders aren't square. Whatever that thing is. And not that I've ever been a shooting coach. Can you do that with a farm? Can you walk in and with five minutes of being in the gym, watch them and say, here's the problem with your shot? Can you do Maybe that? not five minutes. Maybe over five weeks, you yeah. learn more and more about each other. And a lot of that is just through conversation, uh, testing the waters on their knowledge on various, um, you know, pieces that play in the marketplace, their understanding of futures, basis, options, crop insurance, the mechanics of all of that together, their understanding on the banking level of interest rate exposure, expenses that happen from not having good cash flow, working capital, and maybe more often than not, the number one thing that maybe throws a red flag for me on operations that might not be interested in working with is they just have no vision in a goal. They're just there to farm and that's mm. it. Mm, that's a and big come with a, and, and most of the time those operations right, wrong or indifferent come with a tremendous amount of emotion as well. We're going to go back to the emotion because that's Kelly's big thing. And maybe we should get into that now, but before we do, I really think we got to do this. Um, We've all been there, whether it's performing comedy or shooting those baskets in the gym, like we talked about on the basketball floor. Everybody that's shooting the basket thinks that they know what their problem is. And usually a really good outside coach can say, you think that's your biggest problem. Trust me, it's not. That's like seventh. Here's your biggest problem. So it's the old thing about self-identifying, self-analysis. Uh, Mr. Garrett, what is your farm's business weakness? The one that you think that I want you to answer this because we're going to ask Jared what he identified when he started when you started working with him. What did you, what did, would you have said it was, and then what he really discovered it was? Was it both the same? In other words, did you both see the same thing as your glaring weakness? 
I had had a marketing consultant before I let him go because I didn't think they're doing a good enough job. And I did it myself for a couple of years. The first year I did really well. Turns out that was probably just luck. And then this next year, year and a half, I did poorly. We were growing, expanding. Uh, I very much thought it was my forte. I wanted to keep doing it. But uh, as we were growing and expanding, I could see I was costing myself money. So then we hired Jared. But I would tell you, I also thought that I had a better handle on my cost per acre than any other farmer. And I was wrong on both accounts and Jared was right. All right. So well, he's awfully gracious with that. I mean, Damien, one of the pieces on our marketing side, we're not sitting here trying to outguess the market. It's hard not to have an opinion of the market. It's hard not to position yourself to be a participant in various marketing situations. But 99.9% of the decisions are made in the likes of a hedge, as in trying to protect dollars for the farm, yep. trying to make profit margins. Yep. Sometimes those don't go well. Mm -hmm. we've, we've all had our bumps. Neither of, you really uh, answered, neither of you really answered the question, Kelly. So he thought he knew his strength. He, so you're saying you thought your strength was understanding cost per acre. And it turns out you weren't as crystal clear on that as he helped you become. And you thought you were good at marketing. You thought you were as good at grain marketing as the advisor you had had before. It turns out you weren't as good at that. So were those, are you saying that you thought those were both strengths and it turns out now you think that those were two weaknesses? Yes. Like not only not just not just not kind of as strong as you thought, you actually say, oh, crap, it was actually I thought it was a strength. It's actually it's not a, it's a weakness. I'm, I'm not near as good as Jared at, at it. You know, I, I become emotional about, you know, my cost. I wasn't doing a good enough job with all the details because of everything I've got going on. Jared's good. Jared and his team are good at the details. And when it comes to marketing, I'm too emotional about it because I want to hit the home run every time. Jared's better at hitting doubles than an occasional home run. Mm -hmm. I'm always I'm Cecil Fielder. He's Wade Boggs. Uh, you know what? Uh, a lot of du doubles, doubles will win you a lot of games. Answer me this, uh, Jared, when you walked onto the Garrett land and cattle operation, what, what weakness did you, and now we're not being mean in any way we're admitting right. what weakness did you see? Well, the very first time I was out there, I could tell his big weakness was uh, poor carpentry work because he was trying to build a staircase in a winter of 2013. <laughs> <laughs> No, right, so. I mean, look, I'm not going to pick on any individual farm. It's I don't necessarily call a weakness uh, when it comes from what you don't know, you just don't know. I don't know things. Farms don't know things. We have the ability to work together to learn things together. And if I had to pick one, it was maybe being a little bit more privy and knowledgeable about managing government programs and crop insurance in conjunction with grain marketing and Kelly is right on his cost. He's a very sharp as a tack operator, uh, but quite frankly, was significantly off on what all the general farmer thinks their cost production is. That creates a danger zone. Mm -hmm. You feel that your exposure is this, but in our reality, it's completely different. You said when we, when you were on my podcast, the business of agriculture, that you said, we hear it all the time. It almost was your pet peeve. We hear it all the time. Uh, no, manager risk, manager risk. And you said, I don't think some of these folks really have a comprehension of what their risks are. So what the, they don't, they don't know to manage or know how to manage what they really don't know their primary risk is. And you pointed out that there are some operations that have a greater amount of risk here and here that they don't even perceive or don't even perceive it to be the risk that it is. Whereas they think the risk is over here. And I thought that was pretty brilliant because I think about businesses 
non-agricultural businesses. And again, we all agree farming is a business. Like they think the competition down the road is their greatest risk. And I'm like, no, um, irrelevance is your biggest risk. <laughs> you know, like, and I think that there are some things like that. So kind of tell me when you look around at some of the farms you work with, their perceived risk versus what you really say their risk is. And I'm not talking about just risk of commodity marketing. I'm talking about other business problems. That's the number one risk perceived in a farmer's mind is a change of negative price action on a raw commodity that they produce. Yep. The, the risk is twofold. Risk is both good and bad. We take risk in the ag industry every single day. And nine times out of 10, mother nature is going to have the final say in how things shake out. Then it's just about managing the outer edges of those possibilities. That's the farmer's risk. The farmer's risk isn't that they go spend $1,000 an acre and produce zero. That's not real risk. The risk isn't from corn going from six, seven to zero. The risk can be defined and you have to define what that true risk is farm by farm in conjunction with grain marketing, again, crop insurance, any other strategies they have in place, uh, and more often than not tied back to their cost production and make sure that if, you know, excuse the French, but if shit hits the fan, you're going to take a step forward financially next year, no matter what. Because when you get back to that 30 year type of a comment of how many years you get to operate on a farm, yeah. you make money three years and you lose money tremendous in a next two years, you just wasted five years out of your 30 year span. Mm -hmm. what, what are you doing? Go get an in-town job, mm -hmm. right? Unless you want to go live off the land, which maybe some operators are going to get back to that. I thought for years, farmers lived off the land, but now they live off of debt. And we're trying to reverse that. So in the event something changes in the ag complex over the next 48 months, we're able to leverage some of the successes that we've had in this, um, you know, very opportunistic time. I don't uh, know if I answered your question there or not, Damien, but again, pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Manage your risk. Your price, your price risk is not your only risk and it's far from it. Uh, I'm, I made that point and I think I'm going to have uh, Kelly give his two cents on it because First off, you said it when you recorded with me previously, and I thought that's pretty damn accurate because, again, I can think about a lot of businesses. You know what they usually do? Just like we said, farmers tend to focus on production and commodity price, and that's just, they just, just like they're obsessed with it. And like, I'm not sure that's your biggest or certainly not your only risk. And then I could say about the you know the company down the street. What about what if it's not your competition because they always focus like that? I'm like, what if it's irrelevance? What if it's the fact that you don't have the right uh, uh, transitional uh, uh, plan established? Uh, you don't have the next leader. Um, you know, I can see companies all the time where you are the business. You keep saying you got a business to sell. Guess what? When you die, this business has no value other than two trucks and a little bit of real estate because you're the you know we see that sometimes. I see this a lot of times as a customer where that what they perceive their risk is versus what it really is. So Kelly, what's the risk to land Garrett landing cattle? You know, you've got commodity markets, you've got weather, you've got the next generation, you've got government regulation, you've got, you know, let, I don't know if you want to call it, if that ties into government, but you've now you, we have the environmental regulation. We've got fertilizer risk with uh, Russia, Ukraine, and the inflationary environment we live in. Uh, risk is a huge term right now, and it creates, it creates a lot of uncertainty, but it also creates a lot of opportunity 
because there are not very many operations will navigate these rocky waters very well. Yeah. So is it because it, is it because it puts fear? You you like to talk about the, the the three emotions I pointed out. There's actually another one, but anyway, mad, sad, glad, fear. Human based emotions. Risk puts fear in the marketplace. And yep. then when you when you rattle when you rattle one of those risk factors, it then it tends to then throw a whole bunch of fear in there, which is a good opportunity usually uh, if you have the vision. Which I want to go back to Jared's point about that. So do you think that you're better at looking at risk creating opportunities than uh, other operators? I, I definitely do with Jared because I'm not afraid to, I'm not afraid to take a shot. I'm not afraid to put my foot on the gas. And with Jared's knowledge and Jared's data that he brings to me, I, uh, I apologize. This might sound arrogant, but I think I'm playing with a loaded deck. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's the right thing about uh, synergies of uh, skills and uh, strengths. So, identifying your farm's business weakness, then you sometimes can look at their strength. Jared, most of the clients you work with do have a strength; otherwise, they wouldn't be in business. Is it mostly usually just production, or is there something else that you see that comes to the top of some of these operations that you're like, "Damn, they are really strong at fill in the blank." Uh, a goal. I don't want to work with farms that don't have a goal. Uh, I don't want to work with farms that are emotionally distraught over a, a day by day decision. Market moves 10 cents. Oh my gosh, the world's ending. Market goes up 10 cents. Oh my gosh, I'm a hero. That's not the operations that we work with, but there are plenty of them. Uh, and a lot of that, unfortunately, is still tied back to natural human tendencies and the emotions that come with what we were just talking about. The farms we work with, want to be detail oriented. They want to have a goal. They want to have a plan to attack, to continue to keep what they have built and expand on that for the next generation. That gets into a whole nother subject. I think that the, uh, the continued consolidation is at, in ag is going to be massive. And those uh, who are there to capture that opportunity are the ones that ultimately keep their chips in the most volatile times. Uh, you've, you've mentioned the word goal, I think three times, uh, it reminds me of me because I always talk about goals. I say goals, Trump business plans, you know, business plans are supposed to chart out the next five and seven years. And that sounds really cool. We know what Uber didn't exist five or seven years ago. Uh, so how do you, how good do you think yellow cab corporations, uh, business plan is now, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. uh, the phone booth operator, uh, phone booth manufacturer had a business plan at one point too. I agree that goals are critical. Do you make your farmer clients sit down and say, I want you to tell me your goals if they say, well, to be here tomorrow, because they always it's probably always the same shit. Be here tomorrow, pass on my legacy to my kids, all that kind of stuff. Do you actually make them go deeper and give you their goals? Not quite, because some of those goals naturally come around in conversations, whether it's acquiring ground, updating equipment, adding more rental ground, transitioning to the next generation or flat out retiring. And then the, well, some, uh, of the, some of those are next year and some of those are next decade or two. So you're talking about short-term, long, intermediate and long-term kind of goals really right there, right? Mm -hmm. The conversations last couple of days, actually with some operators, you know, mid fifties to low sixties, they're thinking hard about that retirement outlook. As in things get much more hairy here in the next 12 months prior to the planting season in 2023. I will not be surprised that some of the outfits that we work with 
um, they decide to go ahead and step away. They've been through roller coasters, not once, but twice, maybe even some of them three times. Mm. Uh, maybe the third time is a charm or just seeing what, uh, you know, return to capital is getting an individual today of not maybe getting any better here in the future. Kelly, uh, tumultuous times make things uh, make, make fear and, and, and create a tumultuous time, create emotion. And you talked about emotions and you said that Jared helps you take emotion out of financial decisions. Cause let's face it. That's emotion. Always. I've made the point that all humans make emotional decisions and then they back it up with data. Right. Uh, well, I bought this car because really I just went and did all my research. Like, no, I think you bought it because you really decided you wanted that car. Then you went and found the data afterwards that backed up your decision. And that's, that's true. Of most people, humans are emotional beings. That's what separates us from the animals. You gave an example about you getting emotional and then you turned things over to your advisor and oh. Jared, Jared painted it a clearer picture that removed the emotion. You want to share that example? By the way, do you agree with me that most people make emotional decisions? Yes, they do. Everybody what about, does. What about my hypothetical example about the car? Well, I bought this because of the safety rating. It's like, no, you bought a Volvo because you know what? You thought it made you, it made you feel good, right? That's right. That's right. They thought it looked cool. Uh, we had a landlord that uh, wanted to sell their farm. They wanted $12,000 an acre. It's a 120 acre parcel. It was by far the highest price per acre that I had ever even considered paying. And I was emotional about it. I did not want to let it go, but I didn't feel good about it because of the 12,000 bucks. And so I brought it to Jared and I'm like, well, you know, what do you think about this? And Jared and, and Jeff, his, uh, his, you know, Jeff works for Jared. They ran the numbers. They called me back and they said, if you don't buy the farm, your cost per acre will rise approximately $1.50 because you're going to have less acres to divide your fixed costs over. If you do buy the farm, your cost is going to raise $5 per acre, making this what you feel like is a big payment. And Jared's point was, $5 an acre, Kelly, it's a blip on the radar. I don't think you should stop buying land at your age. You've got three sons. It, it really is just a blip on the radar. Quit worrying about it and buy the farm. And at that, you know, him saying that all the emotion went out, all the stress went out. We bought the farm. We're improving the farm and um, I don't worry about it anymore. And I mean, Jared. that's, that's an incredible uh, for him to be able to take that off that weight off my shoulders is a, pretty incredible thing for me. But it can work exact opposite too, that you can come across a number that says that no, that doesn't work. You can't do that in your situation. So it goes twofold, but having that visibility of making an educated decision versus just making the assumption that, nope, I can't do it. Well, you advised on something and it sounds like it's worked out well. Uh, give me the example where they didn't take your advice because they followed their emotion versus the actual logic. Your point was $3 and 50 cents is what yep. I'm really hearing here to, for a, what should be a long-term appreciating, appreciating asset, even yep. if it goes down for the next five years. So Jared's point was it's $3.50 over not even, uh, you know, is that over all acres or just over those acres, Jared? Uh, no, across the entire operation. We look at right. complete enterprise. So it's, so it's not an insignificant amount of money across a number uh, enough acres, but the point is it's also not untenable. And the thing is, uh, for also for you get the you need the acres and then also the long term aspect of it. Uh, you advised when you said this is too big of a nut for you, but then they let emotion get in the way and they didn't follow your advice and then it ended up hurting them. 
Well, we haven't had any of those situations that um, they ran across. Um, the financial data said, no, you can't do it. But it, I'm sure it will happen at some point. But we have had a few situations where uh, they just made the assumption in their head before doing the homework and instantly regret not doing the homework first before making that decision. And, land purchases. and that's been all in the last six months. All right. I know we don't have all day here, so I want to get to this. Uh, identifying your farm's business weaknesses. All right. You're, this is what you do for a living, and then you help people take the emotion out of it. Um, is emotion most every operation's business weakness? Probably 50-50. And a lot of that uh, just personalities drive emotion as well. Mm. Um, I would say that your agronomic big bushels focused only producers tend to run a little bit more of an emotion on the marketing side. And, but that emotion is like a emotional attachment to the raw product that they put all that blood, sweat and tears and financial money into raise. Then it gets hard to let it go. The operators who have more of a business sense or business desire, lack desire to be out in the field constantly. Uh, they're, more so looking at crunching the numbers all the time. This is where's my next opportunity. And I don't know which one's necessarily most important, but I'll tell you that uh, most successful farms got to have a blend of those two. <clears throat> Closing thoughts on identifying your farm's business weaknesses, because you did a smart thing by bringing in Jared Creed and, and he doesn't need to be this for everybody. He can't possibly, uh, he can't handle all of the followers that keep up with our stuff here at Extreme Ag. But your recommendation, uh, Kelly, I think would be, you've probably got weaknesses. <laughs> They're probably less glaring than you think because they actually might be perceived on your end as strengths until you bring an outside perspective like you right. did. And then what? You know, I think if you equate it over to an athlete or, you know, uh, uh, everybody wants, you know, or a weightlifter. Everybody wants to bench press, but nobody wants to work on their squat. You need to work on your weaknesses. You're, everybody wants to work on their strengths because they enjoy their strengths. Their strengths come easy. You need to work on your weaknesses. You need to hire an advisor like Jared to, to work on your weaknesses and shore those up. That's what will make your business better. You know, I, the advisor that I let go and I did it on myself, did it by myself, I identified that as a weakness because I didn't have time to do it effectively anymore. I hired Jared. And I'm better than I ever could imagine. My operation is better than I ever could imagine that it could be. And I have peace of mind. I sleep well at night and I can go focus on what I'm, what I do. Well, I can focus on my strengths because he covers my weaknesses. Jared, that's good, by the way. And the reason most people focus on most people spend their time on their strengths is because it's not hard. It's obviously what comes naturally to them. And then, and it's really, it's, it's a bunch more hard work to, to take to, to address your weaknesses. Um, if you, if once you identify it, you either got to correct it yourself or bring in an expert. Is that the idea here, Jared? You tell these people, listen, man, I, I'm not in any way bashing on you. Everybody's got their weaknesses, but I can help you strengthen this one. That's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah, bring the education, bring the alternatives to the table, identify what's going to work well, what's not going to work well. Uh, more often than not, we're steering the boat. We're not taking a 90 degree turn. We're steering the boat for the long haul. I like that you talked about vision a lot. And so is if you, once you address your business weaknesses, does it make vision more clear? 
because a lot of people get caught up in the problems that they maybe know they have or the ones they know they're suppressing. And then all of a sudden, once you help them identify their weaknesses, the world becomes more clear. Is that, is that, is that a fair assessment? I think that uh, happens quite often, but that's always changing. Not one constant in the market is change uh, and making sure you have a clear vision of what reality is definitely uh, removes the emotion. I think we're going to leave it right there because I like that as a as a way to wrap things up. His name is Jared Creed, JC Marketing Services. This uh, entire episode was devoted to identifying your farm's business weaknesses. Kelly Garrett, you know him. He's an Aryan Iowa guy. He gave you something that a lot of farmers won't do. He gave you real numbers and a real life example and the kind of stuff that you'll never get down at the coffee shop. That's why you tune in here to ExtremeAg.Farm to give you truth and information you can use. Identifying your farm's business weaknesses, I think the one that we heard a lot there was lack of vision and being too emotional. If you need help or guidance on this, call our friend Jared. He is the most unemotional human you will ever meet. In fact, we call him the Mr. Spock of agriculture. He is just that much of an unemotional guy. He has no emotion. He's a Vulcan. He's the Vulcan of agriculture. He's also a great resource to us here at Extreme Ag. So thank you very much for being here. Great information at ExtremeAg.farm. Check out all the past episodes because we do not just bring in uh, our own people like Kelly, who's an expert. We bring in his expert. And you know what happens when you add two experts together? You probably get some conflicting opinions, but you also get great information you can use. Till next time, by the way, Kelly, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for being so forthcoming. And also, Mr. Jared, thank you for lending us your time. JC Marketing Services, if they want to find you, where do they do that? Old school. Just give me a phone call, 402-680-1744. Till next time. Thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks, Damian. All right. Till next time, it's Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Thanks for listening to another edition of Cutting the Curve. For more information that you can apply to your farm operation, visit extremeag.farm. Are your crops stressed out? Ag Explorer has you covered with a full line of products to help protect your crop from environmental stressors such as cold and wet or heat and drought. Check out agexplorer.com and start protecting your yields and profits.